the Veterans Radio Hour. Brought to you by Dallas Corporation for all your corporate printing needs. And by GIN Productions, creating Internet solutions. Websites can do that. Now, stay tuned. The Veterans Radio Hour is next on the Veterans Radio Network. Tango Charlie Bravo, you're a go for the Veterans Hour. So your company has a website. We are all familiar with how the web can be used to showcase information. But did you know the web can also be used as a medium to actually do something to help your business? GIN Productions delivers custom web-based technology and applications to meet the needs of your company. We have the experience and the expertise to deliver web applications, e-commerce solutions, and interactive multimedia. GIN Productions can help you in making difficult technology decisions. We work to make web technology work for your company, and we will be there along the way to support you as you grow. Our comprehensive team includes talented programmers, software developers, graphic designers, and network specialists that strive to bring you the best. Contact us at our toll-free number, 1-887-256-6914, or email us at info at GIMproductions.com. Websites can do that. Welcome, one and all, to the Veterans Radio Hour. It's our tribute to all of those who served our great nation's armed forces, past and present, and their tremendous accounts of heroic duty and bravery. With your host, Brigadier General Dave Grange. And now, coming to you live from our Veterans Center studio, here is General Dave. Oh, no. General Dave is still TDY. He's out in Denver. We hope to have him back with us uh, next week when we're going to be doing a special show for you. But tonight, what a unique show we have. Or should I just call it an ordinary show? We're going to be doing a show called The Ordinary Heroes, based on a book by one of our guests here tonight, Tom Casolini. Before we get to that, I want you to all know you can call in at 866 928 Two nine, and we'll get to our dedication of this show as we move right along. I want to dedicate the show. I was going to pick out a Medal of Honor recipient, but since we're going to be talking about so many great ones tonight, I thought it would be better if I talked about someone who I've just learned about. Really, truly, would like to meet this man, Colonel Frank Steer, who presently lives in Hawaii. This is a man who served under General Pershing and General MacArthur. He also was the first Provost Marshal of the United States Army in 1947, serving at the Pentagon. Last month, he was frocked as Major General Frank Steer. What a man. And the most important thing about Frank last month, besides getting his Major General frocking, he said was, Today, I am 102 years of old. You're listening to the Veterans Hour with retired Brigadier General Dave Grange. And now, back to the broadcast. Here is today's military quote of the day, brought to you by support from retired Lieutenant Commander Adrian Rubinkowski. And now we're going to bring you that quote of the day. It goes like this. 
a young man who does not have what it takes to perform military service is not likely to have what it takes to make a living. John Fitzgerald Kennedy. You're tuned to the Veterans Radio Hour with retired General Dave Grange, coming to you from the Veterans Center Studio. And now, back to the show. As I mentioned, General Dave is out on TDY in uh, Denver. He's uh, with his family doing a very special evening uh, for the McCormick Tribune Foundation. We wish him very well there. He'll be on hiatus in and out uh, during this troubled time that we're having uh, with some of the work he does for WGN and and CNN. So uh, in between, every now and then, he'll be back here on the show with us, and we look forward to having him. In the meantime, i got Tom Rendell sitting by me once again. Uh, he helps out uh, to make sure that the show comes off great. Out in the audience tonight, again, our good friend, uh, veteran Roy Dulgas, who's uh, the chairman of the Chicago Veterans Council, great guy of ours. Margie Janes, who drove all the way from Indianapolis to be with us tonight. Uh, I think she has something to do with our subject, and that's one of the reasons why she's here with us. One of our founders is in the audience again, Andrew Palermo uh, from uh, Pillar Financial with his daughter, Courtney. We're really glad we have him here. And now we'll get started. Ordinary Heroes, quite a unique subject. Today we are out at the National Vietnam Veterans Art Museum, one of the great places here in the country, based on and for the honor of some of our veterans. And there was Tom Casolini. He's an author, publisher, photographer primarily, who uh, uh, took uh, quite a few uh, months out of his life, traveled to 18 states and 52 cities in order to meet some of the most unique, ordinary people of his life. Uh, a couple of them are going to be on the phone with us tonight. One of them is going to be Gary Luttrell. Gary, uh, back in April of 1970, um, was in Kantum province in Vietnam and became a very unique uh, period of time for him, along with James Taylor who was just west of Quezon in November of 67. And also Harold Fritz, Bin Long. He was in the province there in January of 69. At the table also will be our, our guest, Al Lynch, who's been with us. Uh, this will be his third time. He was uh, in December 67 in Binh Dinh province, Vietnam. All of them have a, a little bit of a story we're going to tell tonight. But I'm going to start it off with uh, having everybody meet Tom Casolini. Uh, Tom came in from Indianapolis as well, and Tom, you have a book that's been going around now for a little bit of time called Ordinary Heroes. Give us a little thumbnail for our audience to understand what is the book Ordinary Heroes reflecting? Uh, the book Ordinary Heroes is reflecting um, a tribute to our nation's Medal of Honor recipients. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, I traveled the country for over a year uh, photographing our living Medal of Honor recipients. I traveled 18 different states, 52 different cities, looking at them as they deemed themselves. Um, we as the general public uh, look at them as heroes, and they choose to look at themselves as ordinary people that were simply doing their duty. Mm -hmm. And I understand that uh, Medal of Honors, there's been a few thousand. How, how many thousand exactly? Uh, the Medal of Honor was established in 1862 during the Civil War, and since then, a total of 3,458 um, men have received the medal. There's, in the history of the, of the medal, there's been one woman that have received it, and 19 men have received it twice. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. One woman only. I understand also that there's not many uh, left with us out of these 3,458. No, presently today we have approximately 139 Medal of Honor recipients living. And in the uh, book Ordinary Heroes, you're reflecting on how many? Uh, we reflect on 48 of the recipients in mm -hmm. the book. <clears throat> 48 good ones. And we're lucky enough now to have a few of them with us. Uh, let's turn on uh, our line eight and begin talking with uh, our good friend uh, that I've been able to understand and learn about, Captain Hal Fritz. Are you with us, uh, Hal? Yes, I am. Good. Uh, tell us where you're calling in from. Uh, Peoria, Illinois. Oh, good. That uh, means that I think you're one of the people that has something to do with the Illinois Department of Veteran Programs. Is that correct? Yes, I'm the Deputy Director of the Illinois Department of Veterans Affairs uh, for Programs and Services. We service uh, Illinois' 900,000 uh, veterans. And that's for on the state level, then, I would imagine. That is correct. And do you have, then, other um, veterans that work underneath you that are working these programs throughout the state? Uh, yes, we've got a total of about 1,179 uh, employees in the Illinois Department of Veterans Affairs that uh, service our veterans through our four veterans' homes and our 43 veterans' uh, field offices and our central office and admin office in Chicago. And I think what I'm going to be doing is asking each one of our recipients tonight if you could tell us uh, what it means to you or what it has meant to you uh, being a Medal of Honor recipient. That's a that's a uh, question sometimes that's difficult to answer, but uh, I'll do my best and uh, I'll give it to you from uh, the way I see it uh, personally. Uh, I wear my medal uh, representing those men uh, and women uh, that sacrificed and served in Vietnam and for those that did not come back and those that are still missing in action. Uh, I'm very proud to uh, wear that medal. Uh, it's really humbling to do so. Uh, knowing what it represents and, and the sacrifice that it represents. Understandable. I'm going to bring Jim Taylor on now for a minute. Uh, James, are you there with us? Yeah, Kenny, thank you very much. I'm glad to be talking with you once again. We talked a little bit uh, tonight, and I'm uh, happy to know that you're a retired guy out there in uh, the Wonderland, correct? Oh, yes, I am, and I enjoy every uh, moment of it. And where are you calling in from? Uh, Trinity Center, California. Very good. Can you give us a little bit of what it means for you to be a recipient? Well, it, it opens the door to me having the opportunity to meet great people like Tom Casolini. Uh, and I can say with all honesty that Tom has traveled this country and, and uh, his experiences uh, that he writes about but I think it was divine intervention uh, for Tom being brought to us. Uh, he was doing great work. I agree with Gary. It's, it's humbling. It's, it's a great responsibility. Uh, we wear the medal and proudly for those that have served our great country. Every little thread of that ribbon belongs to every man and woman that ever fought and died for this great country. That's great. I understand you were a first lieutenant west of Quezon during this period. Was that uh, one of those OCS uh, wonder characters? Or? Oh, yeah. I was a Mustang. <laughs> I had 10 years enlisted and 14 commission. I loved them both. And that was Quezon, probably. Thank you. Oh, Quezon. Oh, very good. Thank you. And uh, Gary Latrell, we're going to be talking with him. Gary, are you there with us? Yes, sir. Sure am. And uh, let me see. Where are you calling in from? Calling in from St. Pete Beach, Florida. Okay, so we got both ends of our coast on with us. Are you right on the beach tonight? 
Uh, yeah, my uh, my house is right on a little inlet, and uh, I can walk out the back door and catch a fish uh, whenever they're biting. Well, you've got a lot of us envious here. What are we at, about 15 degrees right now here in Chicago with some uh, dusting of snow coming? Oh, I'm so sorry. I yeah, I bet you are. I bet you are. The audience <laughs> is laughing at you, or at us, I guess. Uh, let me know uh, what you can tell me a little bit about what it meant for you to be a recipient. You know, it's, that's, a, that's a difficult question that's been asked several times. And to think back, uh, what, what does it mean to be a recipient? I think the first, uh, the first response would be, to be a recipient, I, I wear the award for the men that died during that four days of combat on top of that hill. I was the one that was selected to, uh, to be the recipient for all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, in my uh, later years, uh, being a recipient, the brotherhood with my fellow recipients, uh, means so much to me. I'm, I'm the vice president of the Medal of Honor Society and retired, and I spend uh, all of my time, seven days a week, uh, just working for the society and working with uh, my brothers in the Medal of Honor Society. Well, that's fantastic. I'm going to bring uh, one of your brothers on that's sitting at the table here with us, Al Lynch. He's been with his uh this is his third time, and I'm really happy and proud that he's uh, one of our recipients here in Illinois. Go ahead, you say hi to him. Work, work, Alan. <laughs> hey, Hello, Alan, buddy. Can I come down and visit you? Hey, it's 63 I'm, degrees, baby. I'm come cold. On. I'm so cold. <laughs> uh, Al, I know you've been on the show a few times, and you, know, you could just come off and tell us whatever you think you need to say at this time because um, I know it's been a, a very uh, unique situation for you here in Illinois. I, I can't really add to uh, what Hal Fritz or uh, Gary or... Or Jim Taylor has said, I, I think that kind of sums it up. Uh, we wear it for, for everybody that served, all those that died, all those that, that made it back, all those that are wounded. Carry us a little further into what it is. Uh, I understand the brotherhood that's there, but tell us a little bit more about what the Medal of Honor Society uh, really consists of in relationship to the whole coalition of all the brothers. Well, I, you know, for me, it's, it's, this, it's a close-knit group of brothers, a band of brothers, if you will, that um, we've been through kind of the same things, maybe different wars, different times, we, we wear different ranks, uh, we're in every branch of service, um, we're rich, we're poor, we're educated, we're not so educated, we're ordinary people that um, got caught up in something and did something maybe extraordinary. Very good. Tom, uh, let me bring you back on for a minute, since Tom's the one who's been able to bring all these... Uh, wonderful people together for us. Um, I think it's you should be the person, being a non-veteran that I understand too, that uh, let's relate for a minute about the difference between the terms a winner and a recipient because I know I've often heard people say that and I, I've watched uh, eyebrows go up in the air when they say a Medal of Honor winner. Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to make that distinction because I um I am not a veteran, and I did not serve in the military. But before I go on, I'd like to say, uh, Hal, Jim, Gary, thanks for being here, and, and Alan, uh, I, I, I appreciate your participation. Um, and the difference between that winner and the um, recipient is a very, very important point uh, to, to have to, to be made. There is not a winner. It's, and to become a recipient um, 
and you look back at the title of the book, Ordinary Heroes, it all wraps up to uh, these men were just men doing their duty. And it, their duty was witnessed. And by the fact that it was witnessed and written up, it was a fate of history and a fate in their lives that they were that they became a recipient of the Medal of Honor. And that recipient, these men are 30 to 50 years plus in carrying the honor of this medal. And as they, you know, all four of them have said, they, they wear this medal in honor for all because they know that simply by an act of God that they're here today. And when we as the general public or as civilians in a sense, refer to them as winners, it's, uh, it's almost, in my perception, uh, disrespectful because it wasn't a contest. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they are a recipient of it is also uh, a tribute to these men's spirits and the value and strength of their human spirit because, again, they had no idea that they were going to have to carry this medal with them the rest of their lives. When they were doing the actions that they did to receive the Medal of Honor, to have it bestowed upon them, they were doing it out of the power of the human spirit. They were doing it out of the fact that the men on their left and the men on their right, they were doing it in order to save lives. And that's another really huge distinction that one Medal of Honor recipient gave me one day when we were talking is that, you know, it's not about the lives we take. It's about the lives we were trying to save. Uh-huh. That's exactly probably where it has to come from, saving rather than taking. Well, you know, this is unique because uh, the four of our um, recipients on with us tonight are all Vietnam veterans. And somehow, luckily, we've got a very unique uh, phone call that just came in. Uh, Robert Bush, are you there with us? You bet I am. Oh, nice to hear you, Robert. Thank you. I've just found out that you're a World War II uh, Okinawa Medal of Honor recipient, and you were a corpsman. Is that correct? That's correct. I want to say hello to all my friends on, that you have on the line tonight. Uh-huh. Well, uh, I think all your friends have heard you here. We've got a couple of them right now uh, on hold on the, on the line with us. But um, tell me, uh, my father, he, he drew, uh, drove the third land landing barge on Okinawa that day in 45. Uh, what was it like for you that day in 45? Well, I was a young Navy corpsman working with the 1st Marine Division uh, on Okinawa. and We went in on Easter Sunday morning, April 1, 1945. Uh, and stayed there. I lasted 32 days, but the total troops were there for 82 days. And the, in the course of the battle, 260,000 Japanese forces died. So it was a, one of the most ferocious battles, if not the most ferocious battle of the Pacific in World War II. Uh huh. Uh, Hal Fritz, still with us? Yes, I am. Tell me, you were a captain back in uh, those days in Vietnam. What was uh, your actual. Um, MOS that you were handling out there? I was at the 11th Armored Cavalry Regiment and I went to uh, Vietnam as a second lieutenant and came back as a captain. The day of my action, I was a uh, first lieutenant, I was the executive officer, uh, and uh, I was uh, very fortunate to have some uh, very, very brave soldiers, troopers with me that day. Uh, the regiment was under the command of uh, 
Colonel uh, George S. Patton, the uh, son of the World War II commander. Whoa, <laughs> excellent. So uh, you uh, lost how many men during that, uh, that siege? We uh, were involved in, a, in a, an ambush by a North Vietnamese uh, reinforced uh, company. Uh, we had 28 Americans. Of the 28 Americans, uh, I lost both my side, side gunners, or two Americans were killed mm. uh, in the battle. Uh, Jim Taylor, you're there with us still. I'm here. I, I just want to say hello to my good buddy, old Bob Bush up there. I don't know if he's in Arizona or Washington, but he's a he's a great friend. Where are you calling in from, Bob? I'm from I'm in Indio, California, right at the moment. <laughs> this man travels around. What, are you still working, Bob? No, I'm re I'm retired. <laughs> I was in the lumber business for 50 years, and however, I am going to New York uh, uh, tomorrow, day after tomorrow. For a couple of days, and then uh, be back down here. You're going for that uh, big dinner they're having there to uh, recognize a few of you guys. Yes, I'm going there for the for the dinner on Wednesday night. Tell us what a little bit what that's about. I've got about 30 seconds. Okay, well, let me tell you that that's a dinner that uh, it's a fundraiser for the Medal of Honor, which has a foundation that their actual their total commitment is to raise funds to continue our work as, as the Medal of Honor recipients and education of our young people. And uh, this dinner, uh, they sell 20 tables to people in the New York area, and at each table is a Medal of Honor recipient. And then in the course of the evening, they expect to make X amount of dollars, which will, of course, pull its way from the foundation as needed into the Medal of Honor Society's functions. Well, very good. You say hi to Sammy Davis from uh, Kenny and Lenny, if you would, for you us. You better will. Kenny okay. and Lenny, I'll tell Sammy Davis will. <laughs> you got it. Here we go. I'm going to give you a little bit of support. This is our 23rd program. We'll be coming back to all of our guests in just a few minutes. We want to, of course, thank Military.com. Go on the web and type in Military.com, saluting all who answered the call to our nation's service. Also, we want to recognize the great National Vietnam Veterans Art Museum in Chicago. Remember, D.C. has the wall, Chicago has the ceiling, above and beyond, at nvvam.org. Rally, that's right, on February 12th, the big rally with our good friend, Colonel Bud Day, a supporter of this show. Colonel Bud was here. He's now going to be in the Supreme Court fighting for 22,000 veterans, a class, class action suit against the United States government for taking away benefits from our veterans. Stay tuned and be more involved with us. Next week's program, we're going to be doing a program called The Sound of Freedom, along with our help from Mark Eli. It's all on the United States Air Force Thunderbirds. What a great show. So remember, call in and join us, 800-591-0020. Uh, if you want to leave a message and get more involved with the Veterans Radio Hour, and we'll be looking forward to seeing you right back here after these words from our sponsor. You're listening to the Veterans Hour on the Talk, 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 Talk Radio Network. You're listening to the Veterans Radio Hour 
We're here every Sunday evening at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time on the Talk Radio Network, coming to you live from Veterans Center Studios in Downers Grove, Illinois, and also, of course, on the Internet on our website, www.veteransradiohour.com. Tonight's program is, uh, is a, I think, a, an exceptionally uh, interesting one uh, dealing with the subject of Medal of Honor recipients. It's our 23rd show uh, very, very uh, fascinating information being imparted to us, and I was uh, particularly interested in what uh, one of our guests had to say just now, Tom Casolini, who is the uh, photographer and creator of a wonderful book uh, called Ordinary Heroes, which is uh, devoted uh, to Medal of uh, Honor recipients with some beautiful photograph and fascinating text and what Tom had said uh, about the distinction uh, between uh, the terminology that some people will use in, in calling a Medal of Honor recipient a Medal of Honor winner, and he pointed out that, that in fact, uh, the appropriate thing to say is Medal of Honor recipients because there was no contest involved. The uh, wonderful, ex extraordinary human beings who uh, are the winners of the, uh, are, who are the recipients of the Medal of of uh, honor uh, were doing what they did for the purpose of saving lives, and that is a very important distinction. We are very uh, uh, honored to have uh, several Medal of Honor recipients with us in the studio this evening, and uh, the program will continue very shortly. Uh, we'll be uh, back on the air. You're listening to us here on the Internet uh, where uh, we come on the air, oh, perhaps uh, 20 or so minutes before the show starts, uh, where we have a little pre-show, and then uh, uh, after the show goes off the uh, talk radio network, we remain uh, with you here on the Internet for another 15 or 20 minutes to answer uh, additional questions uh, and to uh, uh, follow through on... Uh, elements of the discussion here at the round table that we may not have been able to cover uh, during the uh, period uh, when we were uh, broadcasting on the air. If you have a question or if you would like to make a comment uh, about uh, any aspect of the program this evening, feel free to call us at 866-928-2329. That's 866-928-2329. If your question is uh, such that uh, uh, one of our guests uh, can answer it live. We'll see if we can even get you on the air. If you would like to be a sponsor of the Veterans Radio Hour or a founder sponsor, uh, call our business office at 800-521-0020. Our guests this evening are George uh, Littrell, James Taylor, Al Lynch, Let me go through that list again. Um, Gary Luttrell, James Taylor, Hal Fritz, Al Lynch, and uh, Tom Casolini, and Bob Bush, who is calling in to us from California. And uh, he is on the program tonight also. Um, uh, Tom uh, Casolini is the photographer and creator of Ordinary Heroes. Hour now returns to duty on the Talk Radio Network. 
The Veterans Hour proudly presents our military hero story of valor. Here we are. Our valor story tonight is Staff Sergeant Roy Benavides, a Chicago guy. He distinguished himself by a series of daring and extremely heroic actions while assigned to Detachment B-56, the 5th Special Forces Group Airborne. He was wounded in the right leg when he f and his face and his head, and despite these painful injuries, he took charge. He repositioned his team members and directed their fire to facilitate the landing of an extradition aircraft and a loading of wounded and dead members. Under increasing automatic weapon and grenade fire, he moved around the perimeter, distributing water and ammunition consistently to, this, to his weary men, reinstilling in them a fight and a will to live. Sergeant Benavides gallant, gallantly joined his voluntarily his comrades who were in critical straits to expose themselves constantly to the withering fire. And his refusal to stop, despite numerous severe wounds, he ended up saving the lives of at least eight men. His fearless personal leadership, tenacious devotion to duty, and extremely heroic actions in the face of overwhelming odds were in keeping with the highest traditions of the military service and reflect the utmost credit on him and the United States Army. The Veterans Radio Hour salutes the Active Service Person of the Week, made possible through the support of Pabst Blue Ribbon Beer. As they say, PBR me, ASAP. Pabst Blue Ribbon Beer, available at your local retail outlet. Yes, we're going to recognize, instead of an active service person, how about a whole company? The 1244 Transportation Company, which was organized in January 2000 out of North Riverside. Originally, there were soldiers that were deactivated from the 1744th Transportation Group and the 108th Supply and Transport Battalion. They ended up now making the 1244th. Prior to being out of North Riverside, they were from Cairo, Illinois. And what's so great about them? They're commanded by First Lieutenant Rhonda Peterson, First Sergeant Robert Sinclair, all from Illinois, deployed February 7th. You're listening to the Veterans Hour with retired Brigadier General Dave Grange. And now, back to the broadcast. Hi, this is Kenny DeCamp. I'm sitting in for Dave Grange. He's out on TDY tonight, and we're talking about ordinary heroes. We've been uh, asking a little bit about how everybody uh, lasted and what they did and felt during uh, some of their time. We've got Gary Luttrell on the phone with us. He's calling in from St. Pete Beach down in Florida. I understand, uh, Gary, when you were down there, you were Sergeant First Class when uh, your April 70th time came in Vietnam. Yes, I was. And can you tell us a little bit about what happened there for you? I was an uh, advisor with the 23rd Vietnamese Ranger Battalion, and we moved up on top of a hill. Uh, got surrounded by the 66th NVA Regiment, the 29th NVA Regiment, and the K-6 Sapper Battalion. And we had an interesting four days and uh, four nights. And during 
that time period, um, one of the uh, we had four Americans. One American was killed. The other two wounded. And of the 473 Vietnamese Rangers that I took up on the hill, I brought 41 walking wounded off. Mm-hmm. Understandable. Uh, Gary, I think another friend just called in. I don't know where he's calling from, but I mentioned his name a minute ago there, Robert. We might not have to uh, say hi to him later on because Sammy Davis looks like he just called in. Are you there, Sammy? Yes, sir, I am. All right. Hey, Sammy. Oh, Gary. Hi, buddy. Hi, Sammy. Gentlemen. They're all saying hello to you, Sammy, and I don't know if that's because you got one of those famous names or you're just one of those good, happy-go-lucky guys. It's because I dance for them. That's what I figured. Uh, S- Sammy, where are you calling from now? Flat Rock, Illinois. Flat Rock, Illinois. If I know, I would have had you brought brought you into the show. You're so close, right? Well, it's not that close. It's about six and a half hours. Respect and honor. <laughs> okay. guys that deserve it. The ones that don't, salute them and don't have to salute their back. That's for sure. Okay. I think I've got a little feedback coming in on this. Uh, uh, Sammy, I hear you're, you're going to be one of these people at this special dinner as well. Yes, sir. I'm... Um, able to go to that most definitely um let me know when uh when you received uh, or the valor period that you had in your life uh, you were what rank then private first class oh excellent <laughs> so we've got all gamuts from the captain all the way down to the pfc and yes, where were you at uh, during that time down in the mekong delta plain of reeds and what was your mos what were you doing there 13 alpha 12 a regular artilleryman or and they're just uh, fighting with the artillery, or yes, sir. 105 mm-hmm. split trail howitzers. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Uh, I guess any one of you could uh, talk about this. Um, uh, maybe Robert Bush there might be able to bring in a little light uh, from World War II. I've been told that not too many of the uh, uh, soldiers themselves like to talk about what their actual time was and and what their citation is all about. Is that true, Robert? Yeah, I think that is true. Everybody, you know, I was in the Medal of Honor Society for 45 years before I knew what half of them did. And because it's just not mentioned, everybody's busy doing their thing, and and it's uh, it's like the old theory that everybody puts their pants on the same way. And I, I think that, that we're just a little conservative on, on uh, what you might call bragging about your activities. Yeah. Nobody does it. Yeah, I don't need to brag about this. Uh, my engineer just let me know, uh, all of you guys out there, to please turn your radios or computers down while you're talking to us. Uh, you know you can uh, listen to us over the web on VeteransRadioHour.com and one of our 72 radio stations right now that we have. Uh, Tom, why don't you take over for a moment and uh, let me know a little bit more about what it felt like to be the man to meet all of these great individuals, or as I should say, these ordinary heroes. Well, uh Bob, uh, good evening, Bob, and good evening, Sammy. Thanks for calling in. You bet, Tom. Uh, Bob touched on it, and the wonder, the wonderful thing about these men is that they they are just ordinary men, and no, they 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 don't care to have their citations read in public because they feel that there are other aspects of their lives that are much more meaningful and important to them. Because, again, they are recipients of the Medal of Honor, and in the day of their actions, they were simply doing their duty. And we find that kind of difficult to, uh, to understand. But what is so beautiful about them is how they share their experiences. They share their experiences from the standpoint of the, of the strength and value of the human spirit. 
And when these men are out uh, and talking to children, they love to visit uh, grade schools and high schools. The message they leave with them is really the message of the value and strength of the Spirit. And they all have a very unique and interesting story, and I'm going to kind of call on a few of them to relate it. And I, I'm, I'm going to start with uh, Al Lynch here in the studio with me. You know, when, we, when we're when we at, at schools and doing programs, uh, it's a beautiful uh, story that you tell about yourself and the value of the military. And if you would mind sharing that. Which one? The one that you refer to yourself about the nerd. Oh, oh well. <laughs> When I was in, in high school, I was the um, kid most likely to be picked on. I uh, had very few friends. I wasn't doing well in school, wasn't involved in sports. Um, every, every fight I got in, I lost, and, and really, really, really lost. I mean, really lost bad. Um, I went into the Army for a couple of reasons. One, I, I just felt that I, I couldn't do anything more with my life where I was, uh, being a dud. and. Um, kind of a, a mama's boy. So I went into the service and um, uh, when Vietnam started to get really going, um, I wanted to be involved in it. I, uh, I was raised on some war stories, you know, from my mom and my dad who was in the service in the Army Air Corps. And, um, so I volunteered to go to Vietnam. And uh, it being with, with all of these brave people that I, that I served with, these, these wonderful guys from D-1st to the 12th Cav, 1st Cav Division, um, really got me past being afraid, um, taught me that there was more to my life than just me, uh, in, in fact taught me that, that I was really, um, and I, I don't know how to put this you know, in any better, but that it's, it's not yourself that matters, it's other people that matter, and I think that that's what being with the men in combat that I was with taught me was that they're the ones that are important. And I think that that's what a lot of us in the society bring out is that it's, it's not us that's important, it's other people that are important to us. And, and the fact that um, a nerd or a, you know, a mama's boy could, could earn this medal in, in Vietnam I think speaks to that um, we don't know what we can do until we're tried. And I guess that's the, that's the bottom line there. Yeah, and I know I went to high school with you, so I could remember that. <laughs> you know, um, and there, there's there's a point behind uh, having these stories told that we can get to in a minute. And I'd like to ask uh, Jim Taylor. Jim, are you there? Yeah, Jim, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm sorry, you probably couldn't hear me there a second ago. What I'd I'd like to ask is that if you would please take a second to relate to the audience uh, your story about when you were in high school playing football. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one, Tommy, but, uh, because it uh, brings a little tears to my eyes right now. Yeah, Coach Ed was a, a fantastic guy, and uh, I'll try to abbreviate this so it won't be too, too long. But That'd be good. I was a... Uh, freshman in high school and uh, all of a sudden I became uh, out of the junior varsity onto the varsity team and uh, my head began to swell uh, being uh, passing up the uh, other guys uh, one day I came into the locker and uh, after uh, the night before where I was loafing a little bit of practice and there was a note on my locker that said Jim 
Will you see me? Oh, Jeff. And I went in to see him and uh, thinking that, by golly, he's going to give me uh, my own private locker room. And instead, he handed me a piece of chalk. And he asked me to write the word team on the chalkboard. And I did. And then he said, Jim, you see the letter I anywhere in that word? And I said, no. And he said, Jim, I coach teams, not individuals. You're going to be a good ball player, perhaps a great ball player, but not on my team because I coach teams, not individuals. Uh, make a long story short, I begged, I pleaded, I had to apologize in front of the team. Uh, I played zero downs the rest of the year. I sat 10 feet away from my uh, fellow teammates on the bench. I rode in the back of the bunch. The bus, Coach Ed, taught me the greatest lesson of my life. That's about it. You became a true team player then. I'm learning that. Of, I, I apologize if I... I get a little choked up, even uh, though he's over there, uh, up above me right now. He's on my left shoulder. That's good, Jim. We're going to be taking a quick little break again. we got a couple minutes that we've got to sell some time here, so we enjoy uh, you being with us on the Veterans Radio Hour. You're listening to the Veterans Hour on the Talk, 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 Talk Radio Network. You're listening to the Veterans Radio Hour. We're here every Sunday evening at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. We're heard on the Internet as well as on some 78 stations of the Talk Radio Network. Tonight's program is uh, on the subject of Medal of Honor recipients. And speaking of honor, we are indeed honored to have uh, a number of uh, Medal of Honor recipients in the studio with us this evening. And I do want to say that I think this evening's program is a, a perfect example of the kind of uh, uh, extraordinary uh, material uh, that we cover here on the Veterans Radio Hour. We're hearing some very moving and profound uh, stories uh, that uh, our Medal of Honor recipients are sharing from us, and they're imparting information that uh, I think uh, is uh, of extraordinary meaning to all of us and that we can all learn from. This is our 23rd show. Uh, I want to mention that you can access any of our previous programs uh, right on the website. There is an archive there with all of our shows uh, from the first one in December, or I should say in September of last year, uh, proceeding uh, all the way through uh, to the present time. And uh, this week's show will be on the archive also in the future. Uh, you can uh, listen to this show again if you want to, or if you want someone else to hear it that is not listening now, that uh, this show will be available uh, on the inter on the uh, website, the Veterans Center website, uh, probably starting Wednesday of this week, and it will be streamed on a 24-hour continuous basis right there on the website. So uh, tell everyone, and uh, we'll uh, we would look forward to hearing from you. If you have a comment or a question, uh, feel free to uh, get in touch with us here at the Veterans Radio Hour, either via email or you can call us toll free at 866. 
if you are interested in uh, perhaps uh, sponsoring or being a founder of the program, the business office number is 800-521-0020. Again, this is the Veterans Radio Hour. We're coming to you live. We are here every week, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, every Sunday evening. Thank you for listening, and we'll go back to the show in just a moment or two. Anchormates, the Veterans Radio Hour now continues full speed ahead on the Talk Radio Network. Aye, aye, sir. Here we are, back at the Veterans Radio Hour. Uh, General Grange is out on TDY tonight, uh, and we've got some unique people with us. Tom Casolini, the author, publisher, photographer for the book Ordinary Heroes, a great reflection on the um, 48 very special Ordinary Heroes, uh, Medal of Honor recipients. And we've got a few of them with us tonight, uh, sitting at the table, Al Lynch, uh, who is the Chief of Veterans Rights Bureau for the Attorney uh, General here in Illinois, Lisa Madigan. We also have Gary Luttrell. He's a retired guy from the Department of Veterans Affairs in Florida. Uh, James Taylor, another retired good guy. Um, he's uh, retired from the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory. Uh, Harold Fritz, Deputy Director for Programs and Services, uh, Illinois Department of Veterans Affairs. I think he's still active duty with us uh, here in Illinois, and we appreciate that. And then calling in a few extra little guys uh, called in, too. Sammy Davis, a PFC, a good guy uh, I've uh, learned a lot about from uh, our friend uh, Lenny Bertini, as well as our World War II guy. He's Robert Bush. He's calling in from California tonight. And... We thank all of them being here. I think um, Tom was going to bring up a little bit more subjects about some of the personal stories of uh, these guys growing up. Well, I was going to let them bring their stories in, and uh, they, they are quite fascinating in how their stories basically reflect the simplicity, once again, of the value of them just being ordinary. And uh, Hal, are you on? Yes, I am. Hal, do you have something you'd like to reflect back with us? I think it's really important for people to understand uh, that uh, Medal of Honor recipients, uh, as uh, some of the recipients have already uh, commented on, are, are ordinary folks, uh, come from ordinary places, and it was just a matter of, of some extraordinary circumstances and how we responded uh, that caused us to be the recipients of the Medal of Honor. Uh, I tend to think of the recipients... Uh, in simple terms, it is kind of a slummy slice of America. Uh, and, and I certainly uh, try to get that message across as I travel around and, and talk to schools, young people, uh, tell them to reach for the stars because there's nothing you can't do if you try hard enough. And in my case, it was bringing back alive the troopers that were with me that day with the exception of two. Uh, and if I could uh, bring those two back by giving my medal up, I certainly would do so. And, and I think that's a consensus of every Medal of Honor recipient. And hey, uh, Gary, Mr. Mr. Latrell, uh, Gary and I have been fortunate enough, uh, and I was privileged enough that Gary spent uh, almost nine months traveling the country with me with uh, a tour from the Simon Property Groups, and we took ordinary heroes on a national tour. And Gary and I became very close, and the one thing that I would ask Gary to talk about because I know that it is awful close to him and that is uh, very pertinent to the fact of 
these men are ordinary heroes and the things that uh, are strong and faithful in their lives and that they find strength from and I'd ask Gary to talk about his grandchildren oh boy that, uh, that's an easy one uh, I've got uh, I've got four grandchildren two of them live in Louisiana an eight and a five year old I don't get to see very often but I do have two that live right down the road a three year old and a one year old and uh I guess they uh, they keep me young and uh, keep me in trouble. I won't uh, share some of the things, but uh, I will I will say this: be careful what you say around two and three year olds because they'll repeat it. And uh, Papa's been in trouble a couple of times. But uh, I, I would like to share one thing uh, with you also. Um, when I when I go into to, uh, to schools, um, and like Tom and I, I believe we were up in uh, Chicago and we had a great turnout. Of, uh, of children, there's one message that I'd like to leave uh, with the youth. And if we've got any young men and women in Radio Land listening to this uh, radio show tonight, you know, Congress made me a hero. They put the medal around my neck. But each and every young man in America can be my hero. And it's real easy. All of you know the difference between right and wrong. You know it's wrong to use drugs. You know it's wrong to bring unwanted children into this world. Be strong. Don't give in to peer pressure. You know the difference between right and wrong. Just do what's right, and each and every one of you can be my hero. That's right, Gary. We thank you a lot for that. You know, we're going to spend the next um, 15 or 20 minutes uh, continuing the show on our website, veteransradiohour.com. We'll be leaving the radio airwaves in just a few minutes. And I've got something special tonight uh, here with us. Uh, we generally bring in our good guy, Mark Demon, who's going to sing us uh, one of these special songs. This is dedicated tonight to all of our Medal of Honor recipients, all that they've lost all of the friends they still have. Mark? And now the end is near And so I face the final curtain My friend, I'll say it clear I'll state my case of which I'm certain I've lived a life that's full I traveled each and every highway and more much more than this I did it my way regrets I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do and saw it through without exemption. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway and more much more than this I did it my way 
Yes, there were times I'm sure you knew when I... We hope you've enjoyed this show of the Veterans Radio Hour. Join us next week for more of the Veterans Radio Hour. And I stood tall and did it my way. I've loved, I've laughed and cried. I've had my fill, my share of losing. And now, as tears subside, I find it all, all so amusing to think I did all that. And may I say, not in a shy way, oh no, oh no, not me, I did it my way. For what is a man, what he has got, if not himself, then he has not to say the things he truly feels, and not the words of one who kneels. The record shows I took the blows and did it mine. Thank you, Mark. That was Mark DeMinn. He's been helping us out here, uh, closing out our shows with a few numbers every now and then. we still got our guys on the line with us. We're now streaming over the web only on VeteransRadioHour.com. We appreciate all of you that are on. We're going to be bringing Tom uh, Rendell in for just a few moments, too. He's got some uh, website chat that's been going on as we continue talking with our Medal of Honor recipients and uh, our special guest, Tom Casolini, the photographer, publisher of the book, Ordinary Heroes. Uh, I just want to bring up one quick question, Tom, that I see on your, your website. I'm not sure who it came from or where, but they wanted to know, since uh, there's only been one female to receive the Medal of Honor, um, has there, or how many uh, African-American blacks have there been? If that is known, that was the question that came up, and probably only because uh, it led into the, the relationship that there was not one during World War II. Would you know of uh, any? Or the society, any of the society members? Well, there are, and they can jump in at any time. Um, there, there are certainly living Medal of Honor recipients that are uh, African American. Uh, I am not a historian on the Congressional Medal of Honor Society or, or the Medal of Honor, so I couldn't give you the numbers of African Americans that have received the medal, but currently I believe there are three living. Uh, Gary or Jim, anyone? The, there, there are three living recipients now. Uh, we have three now. And to the best of my knowledge, there, there have been six uh -huh. uh, black, but I'm not sure. You know, I, I was told that um, Tom uh, let us know that there's approximately 139 recipients still with us. Uh, are all of them active within your society? 
And who are you asking us to? Any and all of you. Uh, yeah. Gary Luttrell. Okay, Gary. Um, we have we have one member that has elected uh, to not be a part of our society. So, and how many do you? So you have 138. So we have 138. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not approximately. There's 139 living recipients, and there are 138 that actively uh, uh, are active members of our society. There's only been one that has elected uh, not to be. Okay. Well, we have uh, about 10, 15 minutes here now where we could just talk freely if uh, any of you guys want to jump in on yeah, something. Yeah, Kenny, can yes. I say something? And who's this? Jim Taylor. Go ahead, Jim. You know, when these guys are going to be in New, New York Wednesday, uh, Bob and Sammy and them, I'm going to be with nine wonderful kids uh, out here where we have is a one-room classroom. And I'm going to uh, talk to these kids and uh, present the book uh, in a poster that Tom has forwarded to the class. And uh, I'm just looking forward to that. That is uh, the joy of my life when I'm sitting in a small classroom, the grade second through seven, and then we're going out to lunch. So that's why I'm going to spend my uh, day Wednesday while those guys are in New York freezing to death. <laughs> <laughs> well, that hey, sounds like a warm heart. Say, Jim, with the help of God and a couple of Marines, we might get home. You're right, Bobby. <laughs> hey, my best to you, buddy. And I'm going to leave 63-degree temperature to go up there, Jim. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, and, and uh, real quick, like, and uh, I'm going to be forwarding pictures to you, Tom, because uh, the kids are already uh, pumped up for it. Thanks, Jim. I Listen, appreciate Listen, we've that. heard from everyone except one little darling, and I have not heard her voice all night. Margie, hello, sweetheart. Well, Margie's out there. Uh, we'll bring. We'll be bringing her up. But right now, as she comes up here, Tom Rendell's uh, working on our chat today. Tom's going to give us a couple of the questions that came across here. Gentlemen, the uh, questions that came in were uh, things that that illustrate how little is known anymore about such decorations. And so I, I answered some of the questions myself, but not everyone's in the chat room. Uh, one question was. Is the metal actually made of, uh, of solid gold? Would any of you care to answer that? No, it is not. No, it is not. Okay. Secondly, a, a question wanted to compare the Bronze Star with uh, the Medal of Honor, and I, I, being an active officer, was able to probably correctly characterize that you can get a Bronze Star for achievement, service, as well as for valor, and it just depends on what you do. But then you have an order of increasing uh, degrees of valor, the Silver Star, uh, the Distinguished Service Cross for the Army, for the Air Force, the Air Force Cross, the Navy Cross for the Navy and the Marine Corps, and ultimately then uh, the Medal of Honor. Would you, what, would you want to add anything to that? You covered it pretty well. Okay. That's it. I'm trying to handle your light work because I wanted to make sure that during the major portion of the show, uh, your stories uh, received the airtime. Uh, one question that I have for you, and uh, it goes back to the fact that, you know, we've all been very proud to be out doing our job and protecting the country. But we've recently found that our efforts uh, are not always enough to protect the country's citizens. And I'm one after having been uh, uh, involved in a number of things overseas and elsewhere in about a 26-year career in special forces and other things. The average citizen is called on these days to exercise a great deal of the same type of bravery that, that, that we are uh, trained to be able to exercise, and yet they have to do it from the standpoint of, in fact, protecting total strangers in some cases, where we always resort to the fact that we're a band of brothers and you do it for your buddy and so forth. I'm reminded of the story of Rick Rescorla, who was the gentleman that escorted people out of the World Trade Center in 1993, a lieutenant with Hal Moore during the uh, battle in the Iodrang, 
And then he went back into the World Trade Center and died. There are pictures of him on a landing. I, uh, I believe that there ought to be an effort started to provide uh, a number of decorations for civilians that would uh, not be incentives by any means, but to recognize those that participate, because I believe it's important that we do that, especially since they're not with any training and they're not generally doing it to protect anyone but those around them whom they may not even know. That, to me, uh, coupled with the fact they're not trained and they're not uh, a unit, is something that illustrates a great degree of heroism, and we're going to see more of it. What do you think about that? I think that'd be a great idea, Al Eng. Uh, I, I, I actually, I was in the uh, reserves with, uh, at that time it was Major Rascola, and uh, nicest guy you ever wanted to meet. Um, just one of the greatest people I've ever known. Um, Down-to-earth guy. Matter of fact, it, I was uh, in his unit um, with the 85th Division many, many years ago, and uh, we just both had a calf patch on, and I always thought he was kind of an old guy, <laughs> and uh, was in Korea, and we started talking one day, he says, no, I was in the eye during, and uh, talked a little bit about what he went through and all of that. I was it was amazed. He had quite a quite a history. What a one of the greatest men I think I've met. But I, I think it's great that uh, if we could recognize some of the civilians. You know, the um, when the one of the I think it was the second tower that went. Uh, the eight firefighters that escorted this African American lady down just hundreds of stairs. You know, a, a, a disabled woman. I think those. Guys were recognized, but I think, you know, of how many other civilians have done things like that during that time. Tom, I just, this is Tom Castellini. Uh, one thing I want to add to that uh, line of thought that ties directly back to the Medal of Honor recipients and how we look at them as heroes and how they look at themselves. The, you know, September the 11th, those people went off to work thinking of themselves as ordinary people and became ordinary heroes. And in the same regard, the Medal of Honor recipient that day of their action went off thinking of themselves as an ordinary soldier that became a Medal of Honor recipient. And to be able to tie those two things together, I think, is a huge concept that we miss, that that value of taking care of one another and looking out after one another's spirit uh, even though it, whether it's recognized with or without a medal becomes the core value of what we need to rebuild in our country. You know, all of you that are now uh, listening on our stream here with us, uh, Robert and Hal and Jim and Gary, um, we've brought that special person up to the microphone for you. You want to give them a big hello there, Mark? Hi, gentlemen. Hi, Grandma-to-be. Oh, you're hello, so kind. Hi, Marge. I'm so glad you could all be with us tonight. Thank you so much. Hi, Beefy Butt. Hi. No, no, we get to call my daughter Beefy Butt, honey. See, see, <laughs> She's the mommy to be. So you guys all know we're on the Internet, so we can say anything we want now, is that it? Oh, that's right. Yeah. No, no more censorship. Uh, Margie, I should tell everybody out there listening, is uh, the person, I guess, who runs uh, Tom Castellini's life for him. Uh, yes, Margie's my right-hand lady. She... Uh, She's uh, part, uh, she's 50% of Sweet Pea Press, and um, she's been with me for almost 17 years now. That's right. She's my studio manager, and she was the person that basically organized and managed all of Ordinary Heroes coming to life. What a pleasure it was for me. As we start to wind down now, uh, we've got about five, six more minutes to, to go on here. Um, I'm just 
probably would like to get a little bit of something from each one of you as we uh, take it away from uh, what it means uh, not not to be an ordinary hero or or what it means to to know people and and to miss people in our lives but maybe because of this trying time that we're in right now um, and everybody uh, seems to be have some tension going on in their lives more so I think than usual for many people uh, maybe we'll start with Robert Bush and uh, give us a few words of wisdom, if you could. Thank you very much, Marge. Hello, Marge. Hi, Bob. How are you? I'm great, I'm thanks. Atlanta girl. Uh, I'm thinking that the opportunity is given to each one of the Medal of Honor recipients when they're decorated uh, to be associated with the other Medal of Honor recipients, which are people of, of the same uh, level of life as we were, but it changes a little when you come into the Medal of Honor Society in that the, these people are identified and pointed at more than we were before we joined it. I guess what I'm saying is that we have to be a little more careful about what we do uh, after we receive the medal than what we did before we received it. And by doing these things, we're setting an example for the young people, as Jim pointed out, in the schoolhouse, where the young people will look up to us and pattern their lives a little after our lives, and hopefully we will train them in a manner that would make excellent citizens. And if they were called on uh, to go to battle for our country and our people and ourselves, uh, they would be there to do that. Thank you, Robert. And how, how about you, Hal Fritz? What you can uh, end up with for us? I think we have to keep in mind that uh, Medal of Honor recipients are, in fact, ordinary heroes much like the young men and women today that are committed to defending this country, such as the members of the 1244th, our neighbors, our sons, our daughters, our uncles, our aunts. Uh, we need to make the people aware of the fact, the American people aware of the fact that these people are wearing the uniforms of our country today, and they need the support of the American people because they're out there literally putting their lives on the line. And these are the, the same people that have the same spirit that the Medal of Honor recipients did in, in World War One, II, Korea, Vietnam, Somalia. Uh, we need to support the young men and women in uniform today. Very good. And Jim Taylor? Yes, I I have to go back to the kids because I love it. I love talking to the uh, students uh, around the country, and I am emphasized to them that uh, they need to take responsibility for their own actions. They have to realize uh, where they at, where they want to go, and how they want to get there at an early age. And education is, is one of the keys that's going to help them get there. And to study hard, don't make any excuses, don't be afraid to make a, a mistake, uh, because mistakes uh, are learning experiences, and by doing so they can turn a, uh, a negative situation into a positive one and be a successful person in our great country. Okay, and Gary Luttrell out there at the beach. You know, I work with uh, a lot of the young soldiers on active duty today. Um, I just got back from uh, Germany on the uh, 4th of December where I had the opportunity to speak with some soldiers, and I'm going up in uh, uh, May up to Alaska to speak with soldiers. And one of the things, uh, one of the things that I like to leave with, with the young soldiers is that today's military is strong, and it's a good military. Uh, back in Vietnam, I had a job to do, and I look at that four days. Uh, I was a soldier with a job to do, and I had to do that job.
to the best of my ability. And every soldier in the military now, if put in a situation similar to what we, the Medal of Honor recipients, were put into, they could rise to the call, and they would do their duty just as we did. We have a good military, and we need to get behind them and support them all the way. And Al Lynch? I, um, I think what Ron Rosser said when we were out in, um, in Fort Wayne well, just really nails it. Uh, he said to the young, to the young kids in a, in a classroom, and he says, you know, like it or not, we're going to give this country to you in a few years. It's yours. Whether you, whether you want it, whether you don't want it, whether you want to be involved in it or not, it's your country. And I think that each generation uh, from our start has contributed something to it, has added to it. Soon, the World War II vet will walk off the stage. The Korean War vet will walk off the stage. Vietnam veterans will walk off the stage. And we will hand this country over to the next generation. And um, I think part of it is that, you know, what are we going to hand over to our, to our kids? And then to the kids, what are you going to do with this country once you have it? How are you going to build it, and what are you going to make into it? And uh, I think that's something that we all need to consider real heavy. Very heavy. Very heavy. Uh, Tom, you had something real quick before I uh, close out? Yeah, I just wanted to say I think that's a really important point, and I was going to make it, uh, but I wanted to just amplify on what you said, sir. Uh, Napoleon used to say that uh, in the rucksack of every private rides the, the field marshal's baton, meaning that in his army anyone could expect uh, to rise to high rank. And, of course, since we know of General John Vesey and others who have been privates but uh, ended up chairman of the Joint Chiefs, that's true. But I always told soldiers, and, and, and I believe it from hearing it from Medal of Honor winners, that uh, we're all trained to have that same ability, and we've got to think about what happens in the activity that brings you to that point. Most of us try to plan ahead so we don't get into the last ditch, but in fact, you, if you find yourself in the last ditch, you hope you've got the talent uh, to take it on. I also believe there are quite a few people who disappeared whose accounts we don't know, but that if we were to be able to chronicle what they did, we'd find that uh, they were as heroic or even more so than most that we know because oftentimes the exercise of uh, that sort of valor is at the loss of one's own life. I did want to also say that you all represent us, uh, those of us that are active in serving and those of us that are civilians and, and don't even know you exist in ways that uh, you can't imagine. And uh, hopefully this period will allow us to connect a bit better with our our citizenry because they really need to know more about you because you represent the best of us in the sense that one often thinks of someone achieving high rank but that as we all know is is a process that doesn't depend upon your ability to perform necessarily you men were singled out by situations that you didn't choose and you responded in ways that uh, men would like to think and I would like to think that we could but we just don't know and we thank you very much and thank you there, Tom. Hey, thank I'm, you all. Yep, I'm going to bring up uh, Tom Casolini to say goodnight to all of us, and uh, be very happy to uh, say that this has been a very unique uh, day as well as a, an evening for me, Tom. Thank you, it has. Uh, I just want to add that the wonderful thing about these men is that sometimes we lose sight of the fact that and the strength and courage it takes just to be ordinary. And we find our children sometimes looking in all the wrong places for heroes and role models. 
and and where they look for their heroes and role models in reality of life they may have a one in ten million chance of becoming that person but what they overlook and if they could have the opportunity to learn more about the Medal of Honor recipients or even the unique opportunity to meet one they will find through the actions of these men that they have a 100 percent chance to be just like them without a doubt they have a 100 percent chance because they can do the exact same thing each one of these recipients did they looked inside themselves they reached in and they grabbed the value of their own human spirit when they were called upon they didn't look anywhere else for a hero they looked inside themselves and that's the hero they found and that's the message that they have spent 30 to 50 years of their lives giving back to the general public to the schools and to the kids and the brotherhood that they have in the fraternity of the of the society reaches beyond the fraternity and becomes a brotherhood for every person that's ever served I've witnessed this brotherhood and it's phenomenal and if there is a way that we could inject that brotherhood into our citizenry into the uh, as I would call myself the um, civilian population if we would have the opportunity to witness one-tenth of that brotherhood we would be so strong there would be no doubt the level of respect that we would pay to our veterans you know we look at a medal and I don't think the re and I think the recipients would follow along with this we look as the medal the medal gives someone an opportunity to pay respect because it is huge but what these recipients would like to have is for us to pay respect to every veteran we come across because they all know they all did the same thing you're here we thank you all for thank being you, with us here some great guys to, to know and to, to be a part of this the Veterans Radio Hour really thanks you I want to thank of course uh, Carl on the board once again who loves to handle all those extra noises and uh, Lambert uh, working with us as the technical man Mark Eli he's over there on that uh, web chat the whole time Joe thanks for handling those phones and Tom plugging away over here our big man Lance in the back making sure it all happens we thank you next week you gotta be here the Thunderbirds it's gonna be the sound of freedom and we'd like a lot of you to plug in once again veteransradiohour.com this is Kennedy Camp saying good night see you again God bless you guys thanks for calling in again next week for the Veterans Radio Hour from the Veterans Center Studios. Thank you and good night.